0: Welcome to Shabbat Shalom. This is your host, Sam Frankart, and this is episode 33. Today we're in Revelation chapter 9, and we have an ambitious goal for today. We're going to cover the entire chapter in this episode. I know, I know, this is a very ambitious goal, but we're ready for it. So here we go, Revelation chapter 9. The first angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss, and out of the smoke locusts came down on the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not allowed to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes. During those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, they wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair, hair, and their teeth was like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails with stingers like scorpions, and in their tails they had power to torment people for five months. They had as king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek is Apollyon, that is, destroyer. The first woe is past, the other two woes are yet to come. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the four horns of the golden altar that is before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates and the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of the world's people. The number of the mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions and out of their mouths came fire, smoke and sulfur A third of the people were killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like snakes, having heads with which they inflict injury. The rest of the people who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, and their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Alright y'all, we're really getting into the interesting imagery part of Revelation. This is where all those wonky pictures of beasts and creatures from Revelation begin showing up. Locusts with the sting of a scorpion that looked like horses prepared for battle. We get this description from John of locusts with faces like human faces, and hair like women's hair, and teeth like lions' teeth. This is the stuff nightmares are made of. Then we have powerful horses that have power in their mouths and tails, with a description of tails like snakes. And the result of these nightmarish creatures is death. One third of mankind is killed. So, a quick recap. We have the seven bowls, and now we're into the seven trumpets. The first four seals, and by bowls earlier I meant seals, so we had the first seven seals. So the first four seals and trumpets presented judgments directed against the earth. The last three seals focused on heaven, the cry of the martyrs, the cosmic disturbances, and heavenly the heavenly prelude to the seven trumpets. So these last three trumpets will speak of hell in terms of the demonic. So in this episode, we're going to talk about demons, plagues, and idols. Buckle up. So in this first verse, John sees a star fall from heaven, and the text clearly shows that this star is a person. But who is this star? Suggestions have included Nero, a fallen angel, an evil spirit, Satan, the Word of God, a good angel, or even Jesus himself. In both commentaries that I've linked in the show notes, the authors agree that this star is best seen as an angel. In the Life Application Bible Commentary, they argue that it is a good angel. Why? Because he was given the key to the shaft of the abyss, and that key normally would be held by Jesus, and we read about that in Revelation 1 verse 18. We know that this angel is under God's control and authority. He's obeying God's directions. We read in verse 2 that he opened the abyss, and we read that out of it rose smoke like smoke from a gigantic furnace. This may reflect the notion of the underworld as a place of burning and judgment. In Luke 8:31, 2 Peter 2:4, 2, and Jude 6, we read about the abyss as a place for certain demons. All right, so let's talk about demons. First, we'll talk about them in the context of Revelation chapter nine, and then we'll talk about what it means for us today. So in Revelation nine, verses three through six, we read that God allowed demons to torment people. And we know that these demons weren't created by Satan because God is the creator of all. Rather, they were probably fallen angels who joined Satan in his rebellion. God limits what they can do And they can do nothing without his permission. Their main purpose on earth is to prevent, distort, or destroy people's relationship with God. And whenever Jesus encountered a demon possessed person, that person was being tortured. Some examples of that are in Mark 9, verses 14 through 29, and Luke 8, verses 26 through 29. I'm going to make two recommendations here first, the chosen. So I've talked about this before in other episodes, but today I'm specifically recommending episode one, season one. Um, So there's this focus in episode one of Mary Magdalene and her possession and freedom from demons. But if you haven't checked out The Chosen, this is me telling you once more again that it's incredible and it's free and so check it out. But yeah, season one, episode one is the one that deals with demons. So check that out. And then... Also, Screwtape Letters, this is a book by C.S. Lewis, and I'd recommend that as well. This book gives creative and witty insight into a mentor demon and his mentee demon. And it's a work of fiction, but similar to the Chronicles of Narnia, written by C.S. Lewis. He does a beautiful job just pulling on scripture and theology to make a creative point. So check that out as well. So we read about demons here in Revelation 9, and we can read about them and see creative interpretations of them. But here's the question at the bottom of it all, are demons real? And the answer is yes. In America, we prefer to cover them up with labels like bad luck or mental illness, and we want to believe only what our eyes allow us to see. But there's so much more happening around us that we can't see. As I've traveled throughout Asia and Africa, I can think of a handful of times when we encounter the demonic. In Uganda, we stayed at the pastor's house, and I remember late one night, it, it was probably around midnight, a man came to the pastor's front door. I was in the room next to the front door, and then the rest of my team was in the house as well. So this man, he's hes shrieking and he's yelling, and, and that's all that I knew I stayed in my room (laughs) so the next morning pastor told us that the man had come to be set free from a demon stuff like that happens in Uganda and it happens in America too it's important to recognize demonic activity but it's more important to remember who has the ultimate power if there's one message I hope you've heard throughout these episodes it's that Jesus is the one with the power he's the one in control and we have hope Because of him. Let's continue in Revelation. In verse 3, we read that locusts come out of the smoke that's from the opened abyss. So these are obviously not natural locusts. They avoid plants and attack men like scorpions. But let's keep reading because this is interesting. In verse 4, they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So the invasion of demons, they tortured people who did not believe in God. And then we read in the next verse that they were given authority to torment people for five months, which is the lifespan of a locust, as well as the length of harvest time on earth. These limitations show that they're ultimately under God's authority. And the purpose of all this is to bring repentance, as we'll read about in verses 20 through 21. In the next few verses, John describes what the locusts looked like. And in verse 11, we read that they had a king over them, the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon. I don't know how to pronounce that for real. And in Greek is Apollyon, which I also don't know how to pronounce. And then it says in parentheses that this is the destroyer. So verse 11 stands out to me as interesting, simply because John takes a pause from describing what he sees to naming the angel of the abyss. But not only is he naming him, he's then telling us what his name is in both Greek and Hebrew. Why does John do this? It seems odd. Let's dig into it. So the Greek name may relate to the god Apollo, who was believed to be the leader of all the gods and was adopted as the patron god of the emperor. One of the symbols of Apollo was a locust. And Roman emperors, such as Domitian, who we had talked about back in the letters to the churches, he liked to portray himself as the incarnate Apollo. So John may have linked this leader from hell, the locust king, with the emperor. And most likely, this is a powerful demon, perhaps Satan or another high-ranking leader of the demons. All right, let's continue reading. I'm going to read verses 12 through 15. The first woe is past, the other two woes are yet to come. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the four horns of the golden altar that is before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great River Euphrates, and the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of the world's people. So when the sixth angel sounded his trumpet, a voice came from the altar, according to revelation six nine This is the altar where the souls of all who had been martyred were waiting for God's punishment to be executed on their enemies. At the word of this voice, the four angels were released to kill a third of all people. And we read that these angels had been bound at the great river Euphrates. And the angels were connected with the river Euphrates because Euphrates was a landmark of ancient Babylon. It was the frontier of Israel's land as fully promised by God in Genesis 15 verses 17 through 21. It was also the boundary of the old Roman Empire, which will be revived under the Antichrist. A couple other things about the Euphrates. It's also associated with the first sin, and we read about that in Genesis two verses ten through fourteen. the first murder genesis four sixteen the first organized revolt against God in genesis eleven one through nine the first war confederation genesis fourteen one and the first dictatorship in Genesis 10, 8 through 10. So you can see just why these four angels were there and and what they represent with everything that had taken place at the river Euphrates. So in the verses that follow, the horsemen are described in, in weird, grotesque terms. This is a powerful picture of horror, destruction, and demonic activity. So the army of horsemen this was a lot a lot of people how many did john say it was it was the number of mounted troops was 200 million and he says i heard their number like he heard their number he didn't see their number he heard it he's like i could hear just how loud this army of horsemen was so this army does this speak of natural or a supernatural army is this an army of men or an army of demons these are questions that i have So, if this describes a natural army of men, then the weird description may speak of modern mechanized warfare. It may be that John simply described the mechanized machinery in terms that he could, and he hadn't seen it before, so the result is this weird, grotesque, terrifying account. But, a human army this size has never been seen. The total size of all armies on both sides at the height of the Second World War was only 70 million. In 1965, China claimed to have an army and militia of 200 million, but this claim was doubted by many. Even if such an army was assembled and marched towards the West, it's hard but not impossible to see such an army killing a billion or more people. Because we read that they kill a third of mankind. Therefore, maybe the safest interpretation is to see this as a literal 200 million strong army, but a demonic army invading Earth. This continues the idea of the dem- demonic army, like locusts, that have been described earlier in the chapter. I think, like, reading through this chapter, it reminds me why so many people stay away from discussing digging into and researching revelation just because so much of this is it's interpretation like everything i just shared with you whether this is a natural army of one men whether it's a demonic army we just don't know Um, the best that we can do is guess at it like is this literal is this figurative we don't know but we have ideas of what it could be but nothing that we can solidly grasp onto So anyways, let's finish out chapter 9 with verses 20 and 21. We'll read those. So, the rest of the people who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the works of their hands. They did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. This outpouring of judgment upon the earth was a final attempt by God to bring people to repentance. In general, mankind showed no repentance despite the presence of some pretty overwhelming signs and wonders. They refused to turn to God and desired instead to continue to worship demons and idols. We see this today. For example, in the occult today, people worship demons. Their practices include sacrificing babies, murder, mutilation, and sacrificing animals. With the popularity of the occult and books and movies, the church must strongly teach about the destructive and hateful power of demons. This is why there has to be eternal punishment. God does everything he can to draw people to himself, but people want to continue in their idol worship and live out of what that worship leads to, which, in the Bible, we read it's murder, witchcraft, immorality, and theft. They have chosen their side, and so must remain there. God doesn't want anyone to perish. We read about that in 2 Peter 3.9. But when God's call is constantly rejected, then judgment must fall. That's all we have for today. We'll pick up next Friday with Revelation 10, We might. I'm not going to make that promise, just because I'm traveling a lot over the next couple of weeks. I'm in Colorado today. I'll be in Colorado for the next week and a half or so. So I want to pick up next week with Revelation 10, but I might be sharing another sermon with you if I'm not able to get to my research. So no promises. Hopefully we'll be there. If not, you can enjoy a sermon from the archives. So anyways, check out the show notes for a link to a commentary from David Guzik on Revelation 9. I also have linked there for you the Chosen as well as Screwtape Letters and the Life Application Commentary Bible. All of that is linked in the show notes. You can find me on Instagram at Sam Frankart. Until then, Shabbat Shalom. Maranatha.